This is Lake Effect from 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Bonnie North. And I'm Mitch Tyke. It is a special live Lake Effect today, on site at the Cooperage in Milwaukee's nascent Harbor District. It is an appropriate place for us to be for this show because we're focusing on clean water this week during our Project Milwaukee series, Great Lakes Troubled Waters. On today's show, we'll focus in particular on some of the emerging threats to clean water in our region that don't always get the attention they deserve. Helping us get our conversation started on today's show is Val Klump. He is Dean and a professor at UW-Milwaukee School of Freshwater Sciences. Val Klump, welcome to Lake Effect. Thank you for having me and thank you for doing this segment. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Uh, before we get to things that get less attention, let's, let's start big with the things that you see getting attention. What to you right now is the greatest threat to clean water in the region? Well, <clears throat> Uh, there's more than one, for sure. But as far as the Great Lakes is concerned, I think one of the things that, one of the biggest challenges we have, and something we can do something about, which is not true of everything, has to do with the, what's referred to as non-point source pollution. That's the stuff that runs off city streets, farm fields, et cetera, which has a big impact on the lakes. Uh, we have record uh, algal blooms in Lake Erie and Southern Green Bay, Saginaw Bay, and other places. Um, some which caused, you know, the production of algal toxins, which shut down the Toledo water intake, for example. So, but we can do something about that, uh, but it's a big challenge. I mean, the Clean Water Act did an excellent job in terms of controlling as known as point sources. So municipal wastewater treatment plants, industrial discharges, we've done a very good job. But it didn't do much to help what comes off, you know, uh, my front yard or a farm field. And so we, we call it non-point source, but it's really just lots and lots and lots of points. Yes, <laughs> and, and the large part of it has to do with, you know, uh, changing the habits of people because we've been doing, you know, certain things forever for a long way. I mean, I got a neighbor down the street who puts, when he fertilizes the grass, he runs it right across the sidewalk. I say, Joe, you'll never grow grass on that sidewalk, no matter how much fertilizer <laughs> you put on there. But of course, when it rains, it goes into the storm sewer, goes right into the lake. Our entire Project Milwaukee series is on clean water and the issues surrounding it. So when we do talk about the threats to our water supply, what isn't getting the attention that it should deserve? Things like fertilizer runoff, for yeah. example. So it's not that it's not getting attention, but it's not getting the proper investment. You know, I mean, these are uh, big problems. Uh, they're gonna require a certain, you know, a significant amount of investment. It's something we all should, you know, uh, invest in and help pay for. You know, one of my proposals is to put a surcharge on water use in because, uh, you know, several years ago there was a, articles in the, people's water bills went up and they got upset. You know, they said, well, my, it's gone up 40%. And finally, I listened and I got, I got upset. I said, time out. I said, you don't pay anything for the water. It comes to you absolutely free. What you pay for is the, the extraction, the distribution, the treatment, and disposal back into the lake. Now, of course, the value of the water to you and me or a brewery or whatever it might be, um, <clears throat> we could calculate that. But the value to the system, in other words, at the other end of the pipe, the end of the pipe that's in Lake Michigan, uh, that's really hard to determine. But I guarantee you, it is not zero. And we are not paying it. So, and that's true of almost all environmental problems. You know, human activity is heavily subsidized by the environment. We do not pay those subsidies. So th this is the idea that to get things to change, you need to have some kind of financial incentive for people to use things more wisely. Absolutely. 
I mean, you're probably familiar with the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which, you know, the Trump administration just reversed their um, position on that and are funding it again this year at $300 million a year. Well, I can tell you uh, that's great. But that's, that is just a drop in the bucket with respect to what we need to do to help restore the Great Lakes. My view is that we should set a target date uh, and quit messing around with initiatives and every year, you know, debating how much we're going to put into it. We should set a target date, 2040. Let's say by 2040 we will have restored the Great Lakes. Now we can debate what restoration means, I was trying right? To add there. Okay, exactly. sorry, that's, what I was that's a good you. discussion <laughs> to have, and we can also set milestones to get there. But, you know, we said we were going to put a man on the moon in a decade, and we did it. We have the ability to do this. It requires a significant investment. But this is the third largest economy in the world. Don't tell me we can't afford to restore these systems. Why do you think it's so difficult to get buy-in for this? I mean, water is something we all need. Life requires it. Why is this so difficult? Is it because it's so plentiful? We just look at it, and it seems like it's okay? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges we face, we take it for granted. Here we are, you know, right on the doorstep of 20% of the world's surface freshwater. We're singularly blessed here. If we lived in other parts of the country, uh, you take water more, more seriously. But, you know, despite the fact these are huge systems and they are inland seas, they're not just lakes, um, they are surprisingly fragile. The water residence time for Lake Michigan is 100 years, which means, for all intents and purposes, anything you throw, leak, toss, or let get into the system, I always tell people, yeah, you put it in today, there's a good chance you will drink it tomorrow or sometime in the not-too-distant future. Uh, and so that's a, a big issue. I also tell people, you live in Milwaukee, uh, you drink tap water, uh, guess what? The body's made up of 70% water, so you are more Lake Michigan than you are anything else. Think about that. It affects our health, our wealth, our quality of our life. Are there other things that are out there? I mean, we can almost see Lake Michigan from where we are sitting right now if it weren't for yep. Jones Island and the Hone Bridge in the way. Um, but when you, when you think about the water that is out there, what else is in it that we need to be concerned about? Uh, well, <laughs> everything that we use, you know, as, as humans, whether it's in, you know, personal care products, whether it's medicines and drugs that we take, it's all in Lake Michigan. The entire medicine chest of pharmaceuticals out there. Now, it's, it's a testament to our analytical capability that we can see these things. So they are very small concentrations. On the other hand, we, there is research which shows that some of these are having an impact uh, on the organisms in, in the lake. And, the, you know, the $64,000 question or million-dollar question is, you know, what is the impact of these things? Some of them have no impact until they're paired with something else. And then you can put two of them together, and guess what? You do have a synergistic impact. So, uh, you know, it, it's a complex issue, um, and it's one we're going to have to deal with. What are some of the ways that the School of Freshwater Sciences is working to help people from feeling so overwhelmed? I mean, we have so many threats to the water. It's very easy to just say, well, I, I'm just not going to look at it at all. Yeah. Uh, my wife complains about that, actually. She says, Val, whenever you give a presentation, it's all gloom and doom, you know. <laughs> Why can't you come up with some, some better message? But I, but I do think we have turned a corner with respect to certain issues. For example, the non-point source issue and the role of agriculture. In Wisconsin, you know, there are some very progressive um, farmers that are looking at n new techniques and new technologies. We're, we, we have created problems in this system for over a century. We are not going to turn the corner and solve them overnight. And I don't care whether you're talking about lead pipes or agricultural runoff or 
pharmaceutical discharges. Um, but the other hand, on the other hand, we have to invest in solving these problems, and we can do that. Talk about, for a second, if you would, the, the idea of pharmaceutical discharges, because we hear about this from time to time, the, the issue that, you know, all of the stuff that we use to treat the, the conditions and diseases we have ends up in Lake Michigan or in water supplies. How much of that is from you know, unused pharmaceuticals? How much of it is just from the stuff that goes through us and gets excreted and ends up in our wastewater? And in that case, you know, what can we do about that? Yeah, so... <laughs> The major source is what we take and excrete and goes into the system. And the, the idea is not that we should be sicker but have cleaner water. Correct. And so it, it, it boils down to how we're going to treat the water before it gets into the lake. So, for example, one of our scientists, Rebecca Glapper, and her students have been studying some of these pharmaceuticals. Um, and one of the ones they've looked at is metformin, which is a type 2 diabetes drug. It's one of the most heavily prescribed drugs in, in the U.S. Um, their estimate is that 12,000 pounds of metformin are discharged to Lake Michigan every year from the South Shore Chewy's treatment plant. Now that's the ultimate source of that is us, right? And the same property that makes them effective as medicine means that they pass through our bodies and conventional sewage treatment plant essentially unchanged. When her student gave his dissertation, Defense Ben, I, you know, he was showing concentrations of metformin in lakes. So I said, Ben, what was the lowest concentration you measured? Assuming once we get offshore far enough, it's a big lake, the concentration, it'll be undetectable. Well, that wasn't the case. He said, well, it was like 10, you know, whatever parts, whatever it was. The point is, it does build up in the system. And so the imp what's the impact of this? That's a difficult question to answer, but there are indications that this particular drug, for example, has what they know as endocrine disrupting capabilities. So male perch, for example, will, will get, produce egg-like material in their, in their gonads. Well, and presumably the, the pharmaceutical company's R&D work isn't necessarily going into what happens to the drug after it leaves the human body. Right. In fact, is all the, you know, the drug uh, approval protocols, uh, there is no sort of environmental impact statement or, or assessment of what that drug would do in the environment. How do we get companies to start thinking that way, though? Is that a policy decision? Is that something that the School of Freshwater Sciences can recommend through its research? Well, it, with respect to all of these things, it, you know, at some point we can have incentives, which is true, and that's helpful. But at some point, you know, carrots are not going to be enough and you're going to have to have a few sticks. And in other words, that's the role of government, that's the role of regulation, to tell them, okay, we can't allow this to happen, and apply it across the board. And then it's fair. You know, everybody has to follow the same rules. Uh, okay, so getting back to the, the idea that, that uh, your wife is tired of all the gloom and doom. <laughs> are there success stories that are out there that people don't know about that they should, that, that show that things, decisions, behavior changes really can make a difference? Oh, yeah. For example, the Clean Water Act is a, is a great example. Water quality in our rivers and streams has improved dramatically as a result. I mean, the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland caught on fire, for heaven's sake, back in, in the late 60s, and not just once, several times. And it wasn't the only river that caught on fire. So we've made enormous progress with respect to that. Um, and we should be grateful. I mean, fish are moving up streams now because water quality, you know, is, has improved dramatically. Um, but we still have lots of challenges. There was a, there's, a, there's a project called the GLEAM Project, Great Lakes Environmental Assessment and Mapping Project. You can look it up online. They've identified, you know, 34 different stresses in the system. Uh, and so, 
And some of these, like climate change, um, I mean, my feeling is we're just going to have to figure out how to, to mitigate or adapt. So let me ask you, how, how do you see the state of water policy in the region at this point in time? And maybe the region, the state, I mean, is, is the state of water policy itself a threat to the health of our water supply at this stage? Well, I always tell my scientists that, that it, policy drives our science, not the other way around. So this is an enormously important topic. Of course, we have just recently formed a, uh, a Center for Water Policy endowed by the Brico Fund um, because the policy of how you control this and, and deal with this is important. Now, the science is important, too, because you can't manage a system. And believe me, the Great Lakes are managed, whether it's deliberately or inadvertently, unless you understand how it works. So the science that we do is aimed at trying to get that understanding. Well, we're going to talk more about water policy in our next segment, but first, Val Klump, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Val Klump is a dean and a professor at UW-Milwaukee's School of Freshwater Sciences. Coming up next on the program, a conversation about the state of water policy, how it plays into the challenges in providing clean water in our region. You're listening to Lake Effect, broadcasting live from the Cooperage in Milwaukee's Harbor District from 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR.